السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين In the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala most gracious, most merciful all praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we praise him for everything he's given us we thank him for those things that we take for granted as well, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless his entire household and all his companions. And may Allah bless every single one of us, my brothers and sisters here, as well as all your children and mine as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless the ummah at large and humanity at large. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness up to the end. Amen. My brothers and sisters, coexisting is something that we would never ever be able to ignore. We cannot ignore and it is something that a human being has to live by. Because if we did not live by that, we would not even be here today. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from some of the misunderstandings that people may be creating, especially recently. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us a great lesson, to help us to educate one another and to educate our children in this regard. So we take cue from the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as well as the Qur'an that is revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought to us through Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If we take a careful look at the Prophet, peace be upon him, we would find that right at the beginning, when he came and declared the call to Allah, and he asked his people, the people of Quraysh, the Arabs at the time, to stop the persecution that they were perpetrating, and to turn to the Maker alone, to stop worshipping sticks and stones, and idols, and people, and graves, and so on, and to turn to the Maker alone, they began to persecute him and anyone who followed him. I'm sure you're aware of that. They tried to kill him so many times, they tried to assassinate him. And they succeeded in the assassination of several of his companions. They usurped the wealth of the people and made life difficult for them. The books of history known as the Seerah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the books that have recorded the lives of his, of his companions have made it clear of what happened to them. And yet they were told to bear patience. They were told to calm down. They were told not to retaliate at the, at the early stages. And in fact, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was issued an instruction by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it was becoming quite unbearable for a lot of them. He was instructed to send his companions to Africa, that was known as the first Hijrah, mashallah. He was told that in Africa was a leader, a just ruler, a king, the Negus of Abyssinia. His name was Ashama. The Negus was his title, and Najashi is actually a title, but his name was Ashama. And the Prophet ﷺ told his people, Go to Abyssinia, you will find a Christian man who understands the revelation and who abides by that which was revealed to the Prophet Jesus, my brother, may peace be upon him. So as they left, they arrived in Abyssinia to be welcomed by a Christian, yet they were Muslims. Subhanallah. And this Christian man was so upright that when the enemies of Quraysh followed the people of Islam into Abyssinia in order to con him that these were criminals who just ran away after having perpetrated crimes in Mecca and they were wanted by their people, and Najashi heard these senior leaders of Quraysh, he heard them. And he heard what they said. Just to repeat, they actually went to An-Najashi and they said, these people who have come here, they are not just as they say they are, 
But in fact, they are criminals who are needed and required in Makkah to answer for crimes they've committed. So send them back with us. We have been sent by the, the, the chiefs of Makkah to come and collect these people and take them back. But do you know what An-Najashi did? He was an honest man. The Prophet, peace be upon him, had already told the Muslims he's just. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us stand up for justice. So he says, no problem, I've heard your story. Let me call them and listen to what they have to say. How many of us are guilty of passing judgment without listening to the other side? How many of us hear little stories and squabbles where we pass decision just by hearing someone say, this man is bad and he's not really bad. You haven't even given him a chance to speak, subhanallah. So we are guilty sometimes of instilling within ourselves qualities that are not Islamic qualities and in fact they are not heavenly qualities. These qualities are supposed to be shared by anyone who believes in their maker. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us and guide us. May He make us from those who can learn a lesson from the justice of Najashi who was a Christian at the time. And so he called the companions and he asked them, look at what these people have said. What is your story? Ja'far ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu got up and he made mention of something very interesting. He says, O king, we were people who were worshipping sticks and stones and idols. We oppressed each other. We stole the strong from amongst us down or walked over those who were weak. And we usurped the wealth of whomsoever we could. We were so upset if we had daughters as children that we buried them alive. And we engaged in all forms of immorality. We drank alcohol and intoxicants until we didn't know what we were doing. And we continued misbehaving in this manner until Allah sent to us a messenger. The messenger came with goodness reminding us to worship our maker alone. Reminding us to respect one another and to fulfill each other's rights and so on. And he continued with a beautiful speech. So beautiful the speech was that An-Najashi told him, Do you have some of... The revelation that was revealed to the Prophet, I'd like to hear it. And so verses of the Qur'an were read. Some narrations say they were read the following day, which means this hearing lasted more than a day. What happened is, after the first statement of the kuffar, the clarification was made by the Muslimin. Then the kuffar came back the following day and said, Do you know these people are so evil? You believe in Jesus, don't you? And you do believe in Jesus and what they say about Jesus is blasphemous. It's very bad. So again, he did not just believe them. In order to be able to live and to coexist, you don't just believe tales. You've got to know people for themselves. When the non-Muslims hear that the Muslims are terrorists, if they believe that, they will hate very good people. But if they understand and realize that Islam does not preach terrorism, Islam stands for peace. And Islam stands for coexistence and the fulfillment of each other's rights in a way that you do not trample upon the toes of the other. We will not be able to coexist if we trample the toes of one another. If I think it's my right to believe whatever I want, but it is not your right to believe what you want, I will not be able to coexist. And this is what the Quran says, لَكُمْ دِينُكُمْ This is one of the primary verses that explain and express to us coexistence. That is Surah Al-Kafirun, the surah named after the disbelievers. Why the disbelievers? Those who don't believe in what you believe, Allah says, O oh, you who disbelieve. Qul, say, O oh, you who disbelieve. Qul ya ayyuhal kafirun, la a'budu ma ta'budun. O you who disbelieve. Say to the disbelievers, O oh, you disbelievers. I do not worship what you worship. We are different in this regard. I believe in something else, you believe in something else. And you do not worship or believe in what I worship. And it continues. Once again, Allah says, and I do not believe or worship that which you worship or believe. For you is your faith and for me is mine. You do what you believe is right. I do what I believe is right. We will discuss the matter. 
We will present to each other what we have. There will always be propagation. Most faiths believe that they should propagate their beliefs. Islam is one of them. Christianity is another. And various other faiths. The propagation of a faith is part and parcel of the nature of man. If I firmly believe something, it's only my nature to want to convince you in that regard. It's common. So Allah takes this into consideration. And Allah knows about it, in fact, because He's the one who made us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala requires you to go out and discuss da'wah. What is the meaning of da'wah? It means to propagate. It means, it doesn't mean to go out and kill anyone who disagrees with you. No, that is a misunderstanding and a misnotion that we who are Muslims for centuries or for decades, we understand this and we know this and we live by it and we believe it. And we know, we look at the teachings of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and we realize that the best from amongst us is a person who learns the goodness, puts it into practice and conveys it to others. خَيْرُكُمْ مَنْ تَعَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ وَعَلَّمَهُ The best from amongst you is he or she who learns the Qur'an and teaches it to others. You learn it, you put it into practice and you convey it to those who don't know, Muslim or non-Muslim. So, if you take a look now at what happened towards the end of this discussion with Ja'far ibn Abi Talib on one hand and Najashi on the other and, and those who had come from Mecca also present and Najashi says, what do you say about Jesus? You don't just believe the enemy. Today people hate Islam because they are listening to the enemy's narrative of what Islam is. That's the problem. But the minute you have lived with Muslims, and I have addressed thousands of non-Muslims who tell me Muslims are very good people because they've lived with them, they work with them, they've gone to school with them, they've grown up with them. And the same I would be able to say about non-Muslims. There are non-Muslims I've met in my life who are more upright and honest than a lot of Muslims I've seen. There are non-Muslims in my life that I've met who have qualities in them that are actually taught in the Qur'an and in the sunnah of Muhammad Yet we who call ourselves Muslims sometimes lack in that regard. Sometimes in their character and conduct, they happen to surpass us. Yet the same character, if not better, is taught in Islam. So we are guilty of not showcasing the correct faith. Subhanallah. And this is why we always say, that if Muslims had to live by Islam, today the whole globe would have been Muslim. A lot of people know that Islam teaches high values, but they are let down when they see Muslims live. And they see that these people are leading a life that is far away from their teaching. So it would be hard for me to adopt the faith because why should I adopt a faith that the, own, the followers of the same faith are not following? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive our shortcomings. May He make us strong. It is your duty and mine to live by Islam so that people can understand this beautiful coexistence. They can understand the way we are supposed to be living. And Najashi says, what do you say about Jesus? So Ja'far ibn Abi Talib radiyallahu anhu, he says, we say that he is not the son of God. In fact, he is the messenger of God. He is the messenger who was created without a father, miraculously, through a woman alone. And Allah creates in four different ways. He has created Adam without the involvement of a female or a male. He has created Eve through the involvement of a male without a female. He created Jesus through the involvement of a female without a male. And he has created you and I with the involvement of both male and female. That's Allah. Ja'far ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu explains that Jesus is not the son of God. He was not crucified. He did not die for the sins of everyone and anyone. And this is an explanation. He was very respectful, but he's explaining something that he believes. And this we realize and understand. We may differ, my brothers and sisters, even amongst us. But we need to have mutual respect because if we don't, Definitely there will be chaos and corruption on earth. In our home, there is sometimes dispute between husband and wife. But it needs to be respectfully addressed. When there is disrespect, you will never come to a solution. You will create a third problem. 
But when there is respect, you want to do something, your husband wants to do something else. You want to eat something, your children want to eat something else. Who knows, you might want to cook both things, mashallah, you've solved the problem. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us ease. I'm giving you examples of petty matters because that's how we are starting. Some people do not like life at home because of petty issues, really. You want to study something and your father says, no, don't study. Look, let's get around the table and discuss it beautifully and respectfully. And let's come to a conclusion and a decision. And where there is a problem, and I can give you one of the big problems of today, because of the internet, mashallah, we have access to so many people across the globe. So what happens is, when your child wants to get married to someone from across the oceans, what happens? Father says, not over my dead body. <laughs> Subhanallah. There's a discussion that needs to take place. You need to sit your child down and you need to listen to them and you need to understand them and you need to explain and engage. We are in an age where instruction is not as convincing as engaging the person in discussion. I cannot just issue an instruction to my kids anymore. I need to convince them why I am saying what I am saying. And for that to happen, I need to use my brain. So in a way, it's good that we've moved technologically so forward that we now need to use our brains finally. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. We need to convince. If I want my child to get up for salah or the prayer, if I tell them, I want you to get up at 6 o'clock before the sun rises, or four o'clock, depending on when the sun rises. The child would just say, okay, by the way, you know. But if you explain, you know, mashallah, we have a responsibility, the giver of your life, you have to put your head on the ground for the one who made you, that is part and parcel of thanking him and worshipping him and him alone and so, and you talk to them and then you lead by example, there will come a day when you don't even need to tell them anything anymore. They will follow, they will adopt. Because you've spoken. The same applies to people of other faiths. The same applies to, to your own home. If you want to live together, when we talk of coexisting, we're not only speaking of coexisting with those who have a different faith with you. That is probably the bulk of the topic. But it starts off at home. We cannot coexist amongst ourselves sometimes. Because we have issues we need to deal with amongst ourselves. In our own homes. We need to take care of matters. Subhanallah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it easy for us. Whereas on one hand, we have the story that I'm just trying to end inshallah or trying to complete. And Najashi then hears the verses of the Quran. And guess what? He was a just man. He took out of his heart partiality. So he was impartial. He wanted to hear the truth. So Ja'far ibn Abi Talib, he decided to read the verses of Surah Maryam. Imagine the Quran has a surah, a chapter known as the Virgin Mary. May peace be upon her. Even the Bible doesn't have a chapter known as the Virgin Mary. So this was something powerful. It's definitely something worth looking into. And a lot of the Christians look into it. What's going on? Because Christians are taught, and I've come across new churches that lie about Islam in order to keep people away from the truth. And I tell you, my experience is when you lie, the day those people find out that you were lying to them, the chances are they will stay away from you more than anyone else. So don't lie, even to your own kids, even to your spouse. It's better to just be honest. Tell them the truth. Look, this is what they believe. I remember back in my country, there was a church that sprung up that was quite popular. And the priest happened to say, these Muslims are so bad, they drink and eat food that is cooked after washing the intestines of the dead people. And they have it after three days and after 40 days. So that is why they serve rice and they give drink and so on. And all the people were like shocked. And so some people later accepted Islam from amongst them. And they told us the reason why we accepted Islam is because our priests tell us a lie. They lie. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us guidance. 
We need to learn a lesson. Do not lie. You don't need to lie. Just be honest. Tell the truth. No matter what it is. This is what it is. If I understand it, I do. If I don't, let's ask them. There is no need for us to lie about the Christians. Not at all. It's wrong. There is no need for us to lie about the Jews. It is wrong. If we have a problem with anyone, keep the problem where it is and try and resolve it. Do not make it big for no reason. You and I do know that Islam, Judaism and Christianity share in common so much. We have messengers that we revere and Islam reveres the most. Subhanallah, we have teachings in common. A woman's hair to be covered is, is in the Jewish faith a very, very important part. Did you know that? Although over time they have covered their hair and they still cover their hair. But with a wig. And I'm being honest. Did you know that? Did you know that they seat the women separately just like we have? Did you know that? The segregation and separation of men and women is even a teaching of Christianity. But over time, things are watered down and things begin to change. But with Islam, by the will of Allah, the reason why it is prevalent is because it is uncontaminated. And every time some contamination comes in, there will be scholars, there will be people, there will be from amongst us one another reminding, hey, hang on, this is not part of your religion. Hang on. Culture is very, very important. You know when they say a person is cultured, they mean he has good manners, he has some form of system that he is abiding by. Culture is extremely important, but within the culture, there will be one or two things that might be against religion. For example, making it difficult for people to get married. If that is part of the culture, then we will tell you, please make it easy for people to get married. MashaAllah. You know, one of the youngsters saw me earlier and he was saying how difficult it was to get married. And I said, I thought Sarawak was the easiest. <laughs> MashaAllah. May Allah make it easy for all those who don't have spouses to be married to their dream spouses. MashaAllah. And I hope our dreams are quite clean, inshallah. My brothers and sisters, we share so much in common with these faiths. We have so much that the Quran speaks about the rulings regarding marriage to their women. And the Quran speaks about the consumption of their food and so on. These matters would never have been discussed. I'm talking of a discussion level. If we were taught not to get along with them, not to look at them, not to talk to them, to be honest, and I've said this, that this is the third time I'm saying it here in Sarawak. All of us, a few generations back, we were not Muslim, myself included. Some of us maybe in our lives, maybe we are reverted ourselves. But all of us, somewhere back, maybe 100, 200, 500, go take it back a thousand, no matter how many years you want to take it back. But there was a point when someone entered the fold of Islam. It goes to show that there was beautiful discussion, there was some form of convincing, there was some form of entry into the fold in goodness. And today, mashallah, we are seated here. If Islam had taught that you have nothing to do with those who are not Muslim, what would happen? We would be doing no business, we would be doing no dealings, no speech, no nothing. They wouldn't know, we wouldn't know. It would create animosity and hatred. And by right, Islam would not grow. And no other faith would actually have any form of respect for true Islam. Today, even the world leaders have to admit, those who are not Muslim, that as a religion, Islam is indeed a peaceful faith. Even though you might find people who politicize the whole picture and use religion to forward their own personal gains, and pretend and portray that we're not supposed to be even greeting a non-Muslim. But the same people, if they were earning a million dollars through dealing with the same man that they are preaching to others not to greet, they would quietly do the deal. It's a reality. I remember once, many years back, there was a person who had a lot of hatred, a lot of hatred in his heart for a lot of other people. And in his business, he had a shop. And in his shop, whenever there were people who came in with money, forget about every difference of mine, I need to make the money. Do you think we teach people that 
your life here is more important than the life after. We've always taught that the life after is far more important than this one. Subhanallah. So for my deen and my faith, it is far more important for me to reach out to others than it is for business. And this is why the Almighty calls the relationship with Him a, a deal. It's a business. You are earning hard currency. That currency which will take you through into paradise. Ya amanu, hal adullukum ala tijarah, min alim. O you who believe, should I not show you a business? Should I not show you, lead you to a trade that would save you from severe punishment? What is the trade? Develop your link with Allah and His Messenger and strive and struggle in the cause of the Almighty. Become a better person. Serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's called a business. It's called some form of dealing. And the reason is, we should realize that the money I have today is not going to come with me into the hereafter unless I've spent it in the right course. Whatever I've kept, it's not mine, it belongs to someone after me. And whatever I spent in the wrong cause, I ask Allah to forgive me. Whatever you've spent in the right cause, that is what counts. So An-Najashi hears the verses of Surah Maryam. Amazing verses where Allah speaks about the story of Zakaria and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues into the story of Mary and how Jesus may peace be upon him was born as a miracle and so on. It's amazing how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala words it and here is a Najashi beginning to cry. You know, tears roll down his cheeks. It happens to us all the time. When we hear something motivating, touching, tears roll down our cheeks. Because our hearts are softened. His heart was softened. And Allah makes mention of these tears in the Quran. And this shows us that tears are so, so important. They are so valuable in the eyes of Allah. Those eyes that have cried or shed tears for the sake of Allah, because of the remembrance of Allah, the person will be granted a special position on the day of judgment and they will be granted paradise by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the way their eyes used to cry for the sake of Allah. You know, there is a hadith which makes mention of seven categories of people who will be granted the shade on the day of qiyamah, on the day of judgment. We mentioned one category yesterday and that was a young man or young woman whom in their adolescent life and slightly beyond they grow up in the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will be granted that shade. One of them is, رَجُلٌ ذَكَرَ اللَّهَ خَالِيًا فَفَاضَتْ عَيْنَا A person, and obviously the male is used, but male or female, who remembers Allah, who thinks of Allah, who is reminded of Allah and cries, it fills their eyes with tears. Allah says that person deserves to be a VIP on the Day of Judgment. What made you cry? What made your eyes become filled with tears? Just the remembrance of Allah, my Maker, my Rabb, I've got to go back to Him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to cry for His sake. Today we cry when our team lost, Liverpool lost. It's true. We cry because South Africa did not win the World Cup, it was Australia. We cry because of something. Wallahi, people cry for reasons. But they forget that primarily your tears are supposed to be shed for purposes that are far more noble, higher than that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us and guide us in this regard. So Najashi says to the people of Quraysh who had come to take the Muslims away, you can go back. I'm definitely not giving these people to you. You have been liars. You have come here with a false accusation. This shows us coexistence. 
You want to coexist. You need to stand up for justice even if it is against you and your own family and your own kind or type. Ya you who believe, stand up firm for justice for the sake of Allah, even if it is against you or your parents or your own relatives. If they are wrong, they are wrong. Subhanallah. Imagine, this is the teaching of the Quran. And I will give you a beautiful example just now of something that did happen, unique. But before that, An-Najashi then says, Oh you who are Muslims who have come here to seek refuge and asylum, you can stay here for as long as you want, you are welcome. Subhanallah, imagine. And they lived and they stayed and they benefited and the others benefited. And there was a beautiful time. They make mention of the times that they had in Africa. And wallahi, that was the first hijrah of the Muslimin. So the story I wanted to make mention of is a story at the time of Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu when he was the Khalifa. You know, today when we hear the term Khalif, we get scared because there are false Khalifs across the globe. I am the Khalif. You better pledge allegiance to me, otherwise I will slaughter you. That's not what Islam has said. And that's not how a khalif is actually decorated or conferred or confirmed in Islam. Never. Not at all. The true khilafa of the Muslimin, whenever the khalifa or the true khalifa happened to take control, those who were non-Muslim felt the most secure under their rule. Remember this. If you want to know a system, when the non-Muslims and those who really disagree with your faith feel more secure than the people of the same faith, you then need to know that this is a true khilafah. The same applies to the others, whether it was Salahuddin, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, Umar al-Farooq, Ali ibn Abi Talib, Uthman ibn Affan, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon them all. Even Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know when he passed away, right at the end, you know what happened? And I'm going to give you many examples. They found that his armor was with a Jewish man. Why was it with a Jewish man? So the Jewish man explained, no, he had some guests sometime, not too long ago, and he didn't have some food at his house. So he wanted some grain from me, and he told me, I will, I give you this uh, armor, and you give me the grain. And so he had kept the armor, and he had given him the grain. And the understanding was, obviously, if the payment comes in, it comes in. If it doesn't, then the armor is yours. Amazing. And this was right near the end. And who was the man? A Jewish man. You know, today you hear the word Jew. And what do you think? You think, hey, that's an enemy. You know, we're not supposed to talk. There are so many Jewish people who've entered the fold of Islam. Abdullah ibn Salam radiallahu anhu was a Jewish rabbi. He entered the fold of Islam. There are many Jews who support the cause of the Palestinians. Did you know that? There are many Jews who are upright. They are honest. They have a different faith. It doesn't mean that just because they have a different faith, now suddenly I need to go and eradicate them. No. Like I told you, if that was the case, not one of us would be seated here this morning. So Ali ibn Abi Talib was the Amir. He was the Khalif, the true Khalif. And his appointed judge was a man known as Shuraih al-Qadi. Imagine he appointed the judge. And he found one day that his own armor that was very valuable to him was missing. And according to some narrations, some property of his very valuable was missing. And he saw it with a Jewish man. This shows that there were Jews living, coexisting with the Muslims. Because here's the Khalif. And there are Jewish people around, subhanallah, which means they're living. So it means they were living. Yes, they were indeed. They were safe and secure. So much so that the Khalif is saying, that Jewish man has my armor. So did he just go and kill someone and take it and say, I'm the Khalif, I'm taking this and I'm out. No. They are honest and upright. Because one of the cornerstones of coexistence is to be honest, upright. And to, you know, to understand the justice system and it needs to be operating correctly. So he 
took the Jewish man to the courts. Who's at the courts? Shuraih, the Qadi. Qadi meaning the judge. Shuraih was appointed by Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. And what happened? He comes to Shuraih and he says, Oh Shuraih, and the Shuraih knows this is Amirul Mu'mineen man. He's the Amir, he's the boss. He rules so much of land that subhanAllah today, there are perhaps 35 countries that we would count. That's the amount of space that was being ruled, the territory at the time, by the Khilafah of the Muslimin. He says, this man has my armor. And the man knew it was Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu's armor. He knew it. But what did he say? Shuraih says, O oh, Amirul Mu'mineen. Now, I'm, he, with all respect, O oh, Amirul Mu'mineen, it's not like I don't believe you, but this is a justice system. Do you have any evidence that it's yours? Wow, subhanAllah. Imagine the question being And the man is a Jewish man. He's a Jewish man. Do you have any evidence? He says, I don't have evidence besides the fact that I know it's mine. And he has it in his hand, but it is actually mine. Now tell me, is that evidence? That's not evidence. That's just your statement. Yes, no problem. But the Islamic system is someone needs evidence. If no one has evidence, then we will get to swearing the oath and so on. So he says, Oh Amirul Mu'mineen, because you don't have evidence, I need to now ask the Jewish man. Do you have any evidence? He says, the evidence is, it's in my hands. So it's mine. It is in my hands, so it is mine. So Shuraih, according to the Islamic law, if it is in someone's hand and the other does not have any evidence that it belongs to them, then you rule for it to be for the person whose hand it is in. If I'm driving a car and I'm going and you don't have any evidence to prove it's your car, you cannot just claim my car. It's mine because it's, I'm driving it. If there is reason for you to believe it's not mine, put your evidence up and present it and it will be taken away from me and given to you. But no evidence you cannot. So Shuraih says, with all due respect, my judgment is that it will remain in the hands of this Jewish man. And Amirul Mu'mineen, what could he do? He knew it was his. There was nothing that could be done. He walks away and the Jewish man took a few steps. And he was so delighted that it was now declared his. Okay? But something told him, hey, hey, do you know what? It's really not yours. And the Amir, the Khalifa of the Muslims, has actually just had a judgment by his own judge passed against him. Yet it was actually his and not mine. So he turns around and he says, Oh Qadi, this actually belongs to the Amir. And I bear witness there is none worthy of worship besides Allah and that Muhammad is indeed the messenger of Allah. If this is the system, I'd like to be part, a part of it. Subhanallah. Imagine one ruling which was just, that proved not only coexistence, but the respect, the integrity, and the rights of those who do not share your faith. That was enough to move the heart of this individual and to bring him to Islam. Yet, he was trying to steal something away initially. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our doors. What better example can there be than that of the companions of Muhammad sallallahu Look at this. The Prophet sallallahu comes in after having, and I'm fast forwarding because I'm sure a lot of us, or if all, all of us perhaps would know that there was a hijrah that took place where the Muslims were literally driven out of Mecca. It was their land, their property. But because they had a different belief, the, the Quraysh had driven them out, so they went to Medina Munawwara. In Medina, there were Jews, there were Christians, there were Muslims, and there were people who were mushriks. Mushriks are the polytheists. And Muhammad, peace be upon him, was made the head and the ruler and the leader. What did he do? He struck a deal and he wrote a parchment or he instructed for it to be written. Obviously, he was unlettered, but he instructed for it to be written. So it was written. And what was in that parchment? Part of the details were enshrining the rights of everyone. Part of the deal was we, 
will ensure that we look after, maintain and stand up for the rights of the Jewish and Christian people who live here and the others, those of other faiths. And they too will ensure that they do not usurp our rights in any way. They should fulfill them as well. And this was the agreement and they lived by it. It was broken by them, not by us. Subhanallah. There was a deal that was struck and they lived in coexistence. And a lot of them, because they saw the goodness of Islam, they entered the fold of Islam. Ask yourself a question today. Do you really think if someone who's a non-Muslim sees you as a person and your life and the way you live, that they would be attracted to it? If not, let's improve. Starting with myself. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help me to improve. We should be such that when we walk, when we talk, when we present ourselves, the media has definitely portrayed us to be bad people based simply on our names and our dress. That's there. So you are already judged just because you have a scarf on your head. You are already judged just because your name is, mashallah, perhaps Maryam or Fatima or Abdul Aziz or Abdullah or whatever else. You are already judged. So it makes your mission a little bit more difficult. But do not abandon that mission as a result of people who want you to abandon it. Otherwise, you will become a nobody on earth. You need to enforce and ensure that the change comes by yourself. I cannot enforce it upon you, enforce it on myself. So if people know me as this bearded guy, but he is so good when someone, and I can tell you something really. One day back at home, I was traveling with my family. We were coming back from a certain town, a city, back to the capital. And it was towards the evening and there, was, there were three ladies who were stuck with their vehicle, they, they had a puncture on the side of the road. And, you know, our roads are not as great as yours, mashallah. We have a lane going and a lane coming, and some of the lane is also eroded and eaten. So it's not so safe even to drive on it, let alone to stop on it. So when I noticed this, I told my family, you know what, you guys wait for a moment. Aviza women, they are asking for help. They need to change the tire. And I know I can do it in a few seconds. So I was dressed in white, complete from the top to the bottom. And what happened is, I put on these gloves. I went out, I greeted them. I did not bother telling them who I was or whatever. It's irrelevant. They are human beings. I didn't ask them, are you guys gays or lesbians or, or you know, are, are you guys Jews or Christians or what are you guys? All that for now becomes totally irrelevant because I need to help human beings. If I am dying and drowning and a gay guy happens to save me, well, subhanAllah, I don't say, hey, you gay, let me just die. <laughs> it's true. I might, I might not be. I might disagree. I might, we might not see eye to eye on certain matters. But we are human beings, my brothers and sisters. We share humanity. We are all brothers and sisters, children of Adam, children of Noah. We are children of the same parents. We are children from the same root. It's a challenge. I need to tell myself, am I a person who can save the lives of others? The Quran says, وَمَنْ أَحْيَاهَا فَكَأَنَّمَا أَحْيَا النَّاسَ جَمِيعًا Whoever saves a single life, it doesn't say the life of a Muslim. Whoever saves a single life, it is as though they have saved entire humanity. Subhanallah. And whoever destroys a single life, takes away, commits murder of a single person, it's as though they have taken away lives of entire humanity. That's the Quranic injunction. So when I stopped, I greeted them with all due respect. I told them, you guys can step aside and do me a favor. We have a triangle. Can you put it 50 meters behind the vehicle so people know that, you know, we are, they are, they, they, we are trying to do something. We are stuck here, basically. Breakdown. And mashallah, it took me five minutes, 10 minutes. And the tire was repaired and I put it back and I took out these gloves of mine and I put them back in the vehicle. Thank you very much. And I was still as spotless as I was. Nothing actually changed, alhamdulillah. Meaning I, I did not become dirty or anything. It was quite simple. Nowadays it's easy. It's quite easy to change, a, to change a tire. So what happened is, I went away. No asking questions, who are you, what's happening. And we were gone, we drove. About a year later, we were in a mall. 
And because of the way I was dressed, it's quite easy to pick up, this is the man. And one lady came running to me. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. How are you, sir? Oh, I've been looking for you for the last year, ever since this happened. You know, I saw you on television. Wallahi. And I was trying to tell people that this is the same guy who repaired our tire and they all thought I'm just crazy. It can't have been him. Wallahi, I said, my sister, you know what? I repaired your, your tire, but... Whether I appear on television or not is irrelevant. It's absolutely irrelevant, which means it's got nothing to do with the fixing. You are my sister in humanity, and I was reaching out to you. And to be honest with you, the minimum I do know is it left a lasting impression in the eyes of these people. And I hope and I pray that at least, and listen to this, it's a very important statement I'm making. You and I know that guidance is in the hands of Allah, right? I cannot guide someone. I can only show them the path. Whether they walk on the path or not is in the hands of Allah. But what I know is those who hate Islam, all of them do not understand Islam or they would not hate it. That's what I know. Those who hate Islam, 100% of them have wrong information, something wrong. So what I do know is by me being a good Muslim, minimum is their enmity will be reduced. That's it. They will now recognize that this is a faith. This is why I told her at the end, my sister, I'm a Muslim and Islam requires me to help you no matter what. As a human being, I must reach out to you. That's all. I wanted Islam to come into the picture, to say it's Islam. Because of Islam, I did this. Have you noticed? And I've noticed it. Maybe if you've mixed with a few people of Christians and of Christianity and other faiths, they will tell you, I'm a Christian. I don't lie. They make sure that that comes in. I'm a Christian. I do this. If, if, for example, they do something good, they will immediately say, I'm a Christian. I won't do it. But how many of us say, I'm a Muslim. That's why I helped you. I'm a Muslim. That's why I did this. Subhanallah. The only thing they know about us is Salah and Eid. And perhaps a scarf or a, the dress code and your name. That's it. That's Islam. No, Islam is not that. It's a whole way of life. Subhanallah. So... The Prophet ﷺ, when he came to Medina Munawwara, I told you of the covenant and they lived beautifully. After that, the people of Quraysh, the people of Mecca, who had driven them out of their homes, it was the Muslims' right to go back to get their homes, their properties and their whatever had belonged to them and to go and live back in their homeland. It was their right to go back to Mecca. So wars took place between the people of Mecca and the Muslims who were driven out of Mecca. And the people of Medina and the others chose to assist the, the Mu'mineen because they were their brothers. So the Battle of Badr took place, the Battle of Uhud took place, the Battle of Khandaq took place, and several other skirmishes and battles took place. And at the end, the Muslims were victorious and they arrived at a time known as the Victory of Mecca. Have you heard of it? Victory of Mecca. What happened? Tens of thousands of Muslims marching onto Mecca. And the people of Mecca are just looking and they're shocked, shocked. So many people coming. We stand absolutely no chance today. There is no chance. I don't stand any chance. So it was very easy for Muhammad to do whatever he wanted. But definitely he did not do what ISIS is doing today. Not at all. He was very, very far from that. He had these enemies who had fought them and killed some of them and stole their property and did whatever crimes that were committable. And he comes up to them with the whole army of tens of thousands of powerful companions. And he says, Ya ma'ashara Quraysh, O you disbelievers of Quraysh, you polytheists of Quraysh, what do you think I'm going to do to you today? Wallahi, today people use the name of Islam to butcher those who disagree with them. And they say that's Islam. And they take a video of it and they want to push it across the whole globe to say, yes, there's are Muslims and we are, we are winning. That's a loss. That's the biggest loss. You're making a fool of yourself. Yes, we do have problems and we do have oppression. And we would like to stand up for those who are oppressed. But this is not the way of doing things. That's not the way of doing things. 
So the people of Quraysh, they said, well, what do we expect? We hope goodness from you. You are a good man. Now, now I'm a good man, isn't it? Mashallah. <laughs> he says, I tell you today what the Prophet Joseph told his brothers that day. La tatriba alaykum no blame upon you today. No recompense today. You are all free. You may go and continue with your lives. Did he say, right, you guys are all Christians. Let's kill all of you guys. Did he say that? Did he say, you people don't belong to my faith. You don't deserve to live out. This proves to us that what is being done by ISIS in the name of Islam is actually not Islam. This was towards the end of the life of Muhammad What did he do? He told them, go. As a result of his beautiful action, the people of Quraysh were so shocked. They used to hear rumors of how barbaric the Muslims are and how they've become. And as a result of this beautiful act, do you know what happened? A lot of them just accepted the fold of Islam there and then to say, wow, if this is the case, this can only be a prophet and a messenger from God, from Allah. Subhanallah. So many of the companions who were there on the day and they were on the wrong side. Wrong side meaning they were the disbelievers and they accepted Islam as a result. They explained their stories and they say, Wallahi, we saw this, we witnessed the day and it was a magnificent day. This is Islam. This is coexistence. They lived and they continued living into the Khilafah and even beyond. And I've only presented to you a few examples, but there are so many other examples that we have. The Quran speaks about, the Quran addresses the people of the book. Ya ahlal O people of the book, which means, O Jews, O Christians, come, let's come to a common statement between us. So it shows us that the discussion is supposed to be taking place. We are supposed to be engaging one another in beautiful discussion. Learn your faith, my brothers and sisters, and convey it, discuss it, speak to people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ud'u ila sabili rabbika bil hikmati wal mawidati al hasana, ahsan. Call towards the path of your Lord with wisdom. And with good speech, good reminders, good words. And when you are debating or discussing, use the best of arguments, not the worst of them. This means we are supposed to be engaging those whom we disagree with in discussion, in dialogue. We will sit around the table once, twice, ten times and a hundred times, no matter how much. But we will make sure that we do not just promote violence, intolerance, it's not Islam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us. My brothers and sisters, it's been an honor to be standing here in front of you. And really, as much as I have discussed this topic, if you notice what I've done is I've only presented the tip of the iceberg. But we've got the gist of it to say, here we have proven from the life of Rasulullah from the Quran, from the life of some of the greatest of companions, that we are being taught to coexist to live together, to understand. And coexistence does not mean you must give up your faith. Not at all. Some people think, I need to coexist. So now let me just go. I can wear my cross. I can take off my hijab. I don't need to say because I need to fit in, fit in. It does not mean fit in. No, not at all. It means to understand your differences and to appreciate them with respect. Subhanallah. The others will never be like you and you will never be like the others. It does not mean I need to change my whole life to be like you in order for me to get along with you. You know, we have a problem where we don't understand what, what the term unity means and how to achieve unity. A lot of us think unity means we uniformity. Really. We think unity means we're all wearing one uniform. And we're all thinking the same and we all eat the same and we are united. They see a family, everyone is just eating exactly the same. And they say, hey, they're united. They're not united. Their hearts are disunited. Unity is when you can live with diversity, to with tolerance and respect. You are united. I'm totally different from you. 
My nationality is different. My style is different. My dress code is different. My food liking is different. My liking of so many other things is different. But I'm united because we respect one another. We will fulfill each other's rights and we tolerate one another. That is unity. As a Muslim ummah, we have so many little sects that we have. And this is what is destroying us. It's about time we called ourselves Muslim. Someone asks you, what are you? And they've asked me a lot. What are you? I say, I'm a Muslim. But, 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 there's no buts in Islam. I'm a Muslim. But I mean, you know, but what? I'm a Muslim. Aren't you a Muslim? Yes, I am. Well, I love you. Khalas. It's over. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to love one another for the true sense. We share the shahada. Do you know, there was a companion of Rasulullah who committed a, a, a murder. It was a war and it was actually a mistake. And the Prophet was told about it. And he calls this companion and he says, why did you do that? He says, no, this man, he said, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. But that was when I was about to strike him. So I just struck him. So the Prophet says, Halla shakakta qalba? Did you look into his heart to see that he was false? That you did this to him? Could you see the heart? You are supposed to take the statement of the tongue. Subhanallah. The judging is left for Allah. Hisabuhum Allah. Once a person declares their faith, they are my brothers and sisters, now in faith, after they had already been my brothers and sisters in humanity. They are now my brothers and sisters in faith. And the condition of their heart is not for me to judge, it's for Allah to judge. Yes, if they've committed a crime against me, definitely, I have the right to seek justice. But vigilantism is haram in Islam. You know what's vigilantism? Where people take the law into their own hands. They want to burn others. They want to have this street justice, they call it. Law of the jungle. Islam is not a jungle. Nor is it part of the jungle. But in fact, Islam is civilization. If I have a problem with you, I need to seek justice through those who are in authority. Report the man to the police. Take the man to the court. Do whatever you have to. But you do not take the law into your own hands and go and say, look, he stole from me, I'm going to steal from him. Otherwise, you will be the criminal. Remember this. And this is why we say, even amongst us, let us learn to love one another. Let us learn to promote tolerance, respect and peace. You will be different. You know, they say, like poles repel. Have you heard that? When you have a magnet, positives repel. But you have a positive and a negative. Mashallah, it comes together. It comes together. It sticks. And you find something unique. If every one of us can use the speciality we are in, the diversity we may be within, we, in order to promote goodness, perhaps we will be able to reach out to much more. From amongst us, there's an engineer, there's a doctor, there's a lawyer, there's an accountant, there's a plumber, there's perhaps a driver, there are cleaners, there are cooks, there are politicians, there are so many people. Subhanallah, not a single one of them can say, it's just me and all the others are not on the path. All of us together belong to the nation. Similarly, we have so many Muslims, we have this, we have, all of us together make up Islam. Let us just ensure that what we are following is valid and authentic. That's the main important point. If there are things that have crept up in the name of Islam that are not Islam, it's our duty to take it out, as simple as that. And that is quite logical and simple. I call myself a Muslim, so I need to follow Islam and revelation. And at the same time, if someone else has another opinion, I need to respect him. And I need to understand that the same way I have my right to my opinion, so do they. They have their right to their opinion. For as long as I don't trample on toes. I want to end by making mention about something disastrous that is happening on the globe today. People are promoting a crime using a good word. What is the word? The word is freedom. Freedom. And the crime being committed through the word freedom is trampling on the feet of others and insulting them. 
We cannot coexist if you have given people the right to insult others. No, you don't. The Quran says, وَلَا تَسُبُّوا الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ فَيَسُبُّوا اللَّهَ عَدْوًا بِغَيْرِ عِلْمٍ Do not sway or mock at those who are calling out to gods besides Allah. Do not make a joke out of them. Because then they may sway or mock regarding Allah without knowledge. Who would have caused it? You. Which means, even if there is something that is totally useless in terms of belief or whatever else according to you, you do not have to go out and mock and use derogatory terms because then you will only create hatred. So for example, what happened in France, there are two issues that need to be dealt with, not just one. The issue of vigilantism where people took the law into their own hands in order to go out and perpetrate murder, that was wrong. But the issue of allowing people to insult in the name of joking and freedom of speech and freedom of expression is also wrong. Something we need to know. It's clear, clear cut. And I want to say today that anyone who provokes others and continues provoking them will definitely, definitely be able to get that provocation completed. I cannot keep on swearing you and expect no one to say anything when I'm provoking you day and night. We are not promoting anyone to take the law into their own hands, but we are saying that law that allows people to swear others is an incomplete law that has in it loopholes. They need to go back and ensure that that does not repeat itself. It has nothing to do with Islam as a religion. It's got to do with human nature. It's got to do with human nature. Say for example, it was not Islam that was insulted. But it was an individual who was insulted and their mothers were insulted and their fathers were insulted in the most derogatory way. There are so many people across the globe who've already taken the law in their own hands and dealt with it through blows and fists and fights. Because you don't insult my mother. You don't insult something that I look up to. No. It's part of human nature. So those laws that do not take human nature into consideration are flawed. They have loopholes that need to be rectified. It's a fact. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us and guide us. So if you want to coexist, you need to take into consideration the feelings of the people. You need to take into consideration what is sacred to the people. You need to understand, I do not have to swear you. Why should I swear you? So they say, no, but it's freedom. So are you so advanced that in order for you to feel happy, you need to swear me? Is that advancement? Does it make sense to you? In order for you to feel... They are so depressed in their lives that they've got to swear those who are content in order to achieve contentment. Is that what it is? I hope that's not the case. Imagine, in order for me to prove that I'm free, I need to swear you and swear you again and again and walk around I'm free and now I'm free. What do you mean? Is that how low you are? Is that how cheap you've become? That in order to prove that you are free, you must attack someone, swear them? Islam says do not do it. So that's why we are talking about Islam. Because Islam teaches you that listen, even though they are non-Muslims, don't you dare swear them. Even though they are worshipping food that they've actually eaten thereafter. Some people worship food, do you know that? Subhanallah. Some people worship items, you know, things. They worship the cow or anything else. You can talk about what they worship, you can discuss it, but you do not insult them may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us because it's sacred to them that's what it is I remember when I went to India for example I found people drinking the urination of a cow and I found it rather for me I found it rather absurd or dirty but at the end of the day that's what they are doing it's up to them we can talk we can discuss and we have spoken and discussed but Islam tells you hang on don't insult them because if you insult them it will just create hatred there's no point. And I can give you one last little example as we close. You know, Abu Jahl was a man who was one of the biggest enemies of Muhammad and Islam. One day, some years later, well, after Abu, Abu Jahl was dead and, you know, 
sometime later, after the victory of Mecca. So, Ikrima ibn Abi Jahl. Ikrima was the son of Abu Jahl. The Prophet ﷺ was sitting with his companions and he says, Oh my companions, Ikrima is about to come to declare his entry into Islam. When he comes, do not mention a single bad word about his father. Yet that was the pharaoh of our nation here. Man. He was the worst of the lot. He was so bad. He had beaten Muhammad ﷺ with a stick at one stage, with a bow at one stage. Or somehow... He used to make life so difficult. So why? So Muhammad ﷺ explains to his companions to say, by you swearing the man's biological father, it is not going to hurt the dead person. It will only hurt the one who's alive. And there's no point. You are not going to reach the dead person with those insults. He's already gone. And the son... You may hurt his feelings. At the end of the day, that's his father. Perhaps he's battling to come to terms with the fact that that was his father. So don't mention bad words. This shows us the limits of freedom of speech. This shows us the limits of freedom of speech. It's not endless. We are free to drive our cars, aren't we? We are free. But are we free to bump our cars into other people's cars? Common logic but I fear that in France there might be a law very soon to say you can drive and bump into anyone. No problem. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us and may He protect us. May He grant us ease and goodness. It's been really an awesome visit of Malaysia this time and really this beautiful city of Kuching. I was wondering why is it so beautiful? You know the atmosphere is lovely. But I've realized it comes from the hearts of the people. Mashallah. Beautiful hearts, beautiful environment. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Grant us beauty in this world and the next. Jazakumullah khair wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallah bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.